0: No, but we are continuing our series on um, bad decisions. And um, two weeks ago, um, when we started it, Nick took us through uh, 1 Kings 12, where we saw um, Rehoboam, who had split Israel. Uh, He had forsaken wise counsel and ended up um, splitting God's people. Um, This week, you can turn all the way to the other side of the page to First Kings thirteen, um, and we're going to take a look at that uh, chapter and get a get a running start into it here. So, um, go ahead and turn to First Kings thirteen, and um, again, just to recap, um, we've got at this point uh, after Rehoboam splits Israel, we've got the southern area of Judah, uh, which is led by Rehoboam, and then there are the northern tribes of Israel which are led by Jeroboam. And at the end of chapter 12, uh, in 1 Kings, um, starting in verse 20, we'll just kind of get a running start here. Uh, 1 Kings 12, verse 20, it says, And it came to pass, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation, and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And then jump down to verse 28, Uh, It says, whereupon the king took counsel, and now he's taking counsel, and it's not good counsel, and made two calves of gold, and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And then uh, verse 33, it says, so he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month even in the month which he had devised of his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. So things kind of went from bad to worse. Um, You've got Jeroboam, who is now leading the the northern tribes, and he makes up two calves of gold, puts one in Bethel and one in Dan, which was kind of like farther north. Um, and that's where you know we'll we'll pick up our story. Notice too, uh, just to point this out, he says it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem, even though they were technically north of Jerusalem, um, and coming. And it says which brought the up up out of the land of Egypt. Um, Egypt is a picture of the world. You always go down into Egypt. You always go up to Jerusalem, regardless of where you are geographically. Um, but that's where we'll pick up our story. And um, I'll pray, and we'll we'll get into our chapter tonight. God, I just uh, thank you for um, just the opportunity to to study your word and to um, yeah, just see what you have for for all of us. Uh, and God, sometimes it's just it's just real simple, and we just uh, need to do what you tell us. And I just pray that you would um, work through me tonight and um, just help me to say what you want me to say, God. And uh, um, use your word to, to work in the lives of those here. Uh, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Um, so, it's been said that God can speak to us in three different ways, uh, th- or through three, three different means. Um, first, through his word, through the church, and then through our circumstances. Those are your blanks on there. God can speak to us through his word, through the church, and through our circumstances, um, so when you're looking for direction in life, uh, when you've got a you know a big decision that needs to be made, uh, you can look to those three areas. Anybody ever have to make a big decision? Um, we've we've all come to you know those kind of points in our lives where I, I'm just not sure what to do, and you're trying to find good counsel um, to to follow. Um, we saw last week again with Rehoboam that he had consulted with the men who had stood before Solomon. These guys were older, they were wiser, um, they literally spent time with the wisest person on earth. Um, God can speak through, through that kind of you know, uh, church body and leadership. Um, he can speak through our circumstances. Um, if you want an example of, of that, look at um, Esther, who was queen for such a time as this or even Jonah, where God literally directed him through his circumstances uh, and a fish. Um, but both of those will always line up with what God's word says. Um, they will always agree with his word. Um, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us that can, you know, guide and direct us through uh, God's word. And, um, you know, when we come to those big decision points, have you ever just said, like, I wish somebody would just tell me what to do? I just want somebody to tell me this is this is the answer. This is the way you're supposed to go. Um, well, God's word gives us you know direct commands that we can um, follow, and that's our you know our title for tonight: the the bad decision of ignoring a direct command. So, uh, so let's look at First Kings uh, 13, starting in verse number one. We're going to read through the whole chapter over the course of tonight, but um, we're going to start with the first ten verses or so right now. So, uh, read along with me um, I'll, I'll read out loud. You just read in your head. So, um, first Kings 13, it says, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, Oh, altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. I mean, Jeroboam's literally standing right there next to him when he's saying this. Jeroboam's burning incense right there when he says, we're going to burn the bones of the people that burn incense on you, altar. Um, it says, verse 3, And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, he was standing right there, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar saying, lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar, just like he had just said, according to the sign which the man of God uh, had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, And treat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me. Sounds like Simon the sorcerer we heard about a few weeks ago. (laughs) Your God, pray for me. Um, That my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Boom, mic drop, OG M O G out. I mean, he just, he just came in like the king standing right there, prophesies against him, his hand shrivels up. He says, pray for me, he prays for him, hand comes back. And the altar breaks in half, all the ashes pour out, and he's like, peace, <laughs> you know. So he was, he was obviously, you know, working off of, I mean, a high. He, he had just experienced great victory in his life. He did what God told him to do, and he saw God working firsthand. <clears throat> firsthand. Um, and that's, you know, our first point, um, which is obedience results in victory. He did what God said, Came in, did it, went exactly how God said it would, and he, and he heads out. Tells the king, even if you gave me half your kingdom, I wouldn't do this because the Lord said, don't eat, don't drink, and go home a different way. Now, we're not really sure exactly who the man of God was. Um, it doesn't give his name here. Um, it says he came out of Judah. Um, my guess is that he probably came from Jerusalem. Uh, We should have a map. Um, This is going to be show and tell. I love historical show and tell. So um, this is a map. You can see Jerusalem at the top part of the green area, um, kind of bottom middle there where it says Jerusalem. And if you go kind of straight up from Jerusalem, you'll see Bethel. Yeah, good job. There you go with the mouse pointer. Um, So you see Jerusalem to, to Bethel, that kind of dividing area, again, where Israel had split, you've got Judah on the south, uh, you've got the other tribes of Israel to the north, and right there on the border, you've got um, Jerusalem and Bethel. Now, Bethel was about um, 12 miles north of Jerusalem, um, according to you know the internet, um, so that's a 24-mile round trip. Um, again, I'm kind of guessing that this is where the man of God came from, out of Jerusalem, Uh, According to um, the rules for travel in the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, 24 24 miles is a normal day's travel pace. Um, At a normal walking pace, you can walk 24 miles a day. Um, And also, um, because in um, the end of verse 12, where Jeroboam says, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. I'm sure God was like, oh yeah, well, I'll just send someone from Jerusalem to you. So um, that's my guess, that he came out of Jerusalem there. Um, We also have, the next one is a picture of, that city in the background is Bethel. This is a literal aerial shot of the high places in Bethel that I found. Um, You're looking at probably the exact spot where this took place. Um, On the, the hill, the mount, you know, the high places outside the city of what is you know now modern-day Bethel. Um, if you go to the, the next picture, then this is a sign that you would see there, the ruins of Jeroboam's temple. Um, it says the remnants of a large public building, the dimensions of which match the tabernacle of Moses. The structure faces the direction of Jacob's rock. Um, some professor identified it as King Jeroboam's temple built in what is Bethel. Uh, surrounding it are remnants of the exterior wall, and to the north is a pile of rubble used as an altar. And it has 1 Kings 12:28. And he, Jeroboam, made two golden calves and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem, and he put one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. So that is probably the literal spot where this just took place um, that we read about in 1 Kings 13. I rabbit trailed way too much on this, but <laughs> it was It was fun. Um, so back to, back to our chapter, 1 Kings 13, uh, pick it up in verse 11. Uh, it says, Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass, and they saddled him the ass, And he rode thereon, and he went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Or maybe he said, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I am. (laughs) Yep. Um, We don't know. Maybe he was prideful. Maybe he was, you know, a little prideful after that. Maybe he was like Jonah when Jonah went and pouted under a tree, you know, and was, you know, tick that all these people were going to repent or something, you know, uh, or maybe he was just humble, you know, in his response. We don't know. He just says, I am. Um, we also, the next picture, um, have a picture of an oak tree in Bethel. Uh, that's an oak tree in that same spot there. This one says it's actually a wormwood oak. Um, I don't know that's the tree where, <laughs> where he was sitting, but it's probably the same kind of tree. Um, The sign says that 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 tree there is like a 1,000 years old. So it could be a descendant of the tree where the man of God was sitting. We're not sure. Um, It's actually not the first time we see an oak tree in Bethel. In Genesis 35, uh, in verse 1, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And then jump down to verse 6. Uh, So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alon Bakuth, which I think meant like oak of weeping or something like that. But, um, so Bethel was a, a, a crossroad city. Um, Again, that's probably not the tree where <laughs> Deborah was, was buried, but it could be the same kind of tree around there. Uh, Bethel was, was um, kind of a, an intersection city going north and south, uh, again from Jerusalem, but then also uh, a main route east and west from Jericho over to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, so a lot, a lot happens in Bethel, but uh, our story continues in um, 1 Kings 13, starting, uh, picking it back up in verse 15. It says, Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art, and an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him, and immediately his pants caught fire. Um, so he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. So wouldn't that be awesome, though, if that was like an Old Testament thing? Like if someone lies in God's name, <laughs> flame on. Their pants just be, make it a lot easier to tell who was a false prophet. But, um, but it says he went back with him and ate bread and drank water in his house. The guy... Straight up lied to him. Um, so why, why, did he, why did he do that? Why did he go back? Well, again, I'm thinking if he came out of Jerusalem, a day's travel, he's on his way back. It's high noon, you know, heat of the day. He's been walking all day with no food, no water. He probably sat down under an oak tree to get some shade, at least while the sun was high, and, you know, keep walking later that evening or something. Um, so he's probably tired, thirsty, Hungry, you know, he's worn out. Um, yeah, he's he's riding the high from you know what he had saw God do, but he's he's probably exhausted. Um, but this is you know obvious uh, an obvious application of this too is to um, beware of false prophets, um, and we heard a lot about that in the um, at the certainty conference about prove all things. Um, Jeremiah fourteen fourteen uh, says, then the Lord said to me. The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Um, So this was the the old prophets, you know, deceit of his heart that led him to do this. Uh, 1 John 4, uh, verse 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirit sounds a whole lot like First Thessalonians five twenty one. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So, the the man of God doesn't you know question him. He just says, oh okay. He's probably like, yeah, it does sound good. You know, kind of tired, kind of thirsty. Um. So, a a you know a rule of thumb here, uh, if anyone's ever heard this before, is before you make a bad decision, halt, stop. You know, and halt. Halt meaning are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Or are you tired? Check yourself before you make a bad decision. Because hangry is a real thing. (laughs) You know, if you're feeling lonely, like no one no one understands me, no one gets me, I'm out here all by myself, no man careth for my soul. I'm tired. I've been I've been doing this for so long, I'm weary and well doing. I'm just you got to halt, <laughs> check yourself before you make a bad decision. See, are you take take a self inventory? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And evaluate you know the situation and why you're about to make the decision you're going to make. Uh, but after this point, after the man of God goes back and eats and drinks with him, we don't hear from him again. He doesn't speak the rest of the chapter. And so our next point here then is disobedience results in defeat. So the man of God went back with him. He ate and drank, disobeyed the direct command from the Lord. Um, When we do that, we feel like we're not used. Our relationship with God is strained because we know we've been disobedient. Um, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And God also won't, if we we can't be trusted with, you know, a direct command, something that God's given us, he's not going to trust us with more. Luke 16.10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. All God asked him to do was, don't eat or drink and take a different way home. Um, but he, he disobeyed. So the story continues in verse 20. It says, And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord. So this is the old prophet talking now. Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place, of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to to pass, after that he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass, to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way, and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> he finishes his lunch, gets on the donkey, and that's it. Um, so we see, we see in here that the, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. Um, yeah he had lied, but he was a prophet. It didn't say he was a false prophet you know he made a he made a mistake um but he was a prophet. I'm sure this isn't the first time the word of the Lord had come to him. Um, God can always use us, you know, no matter you know if we think we're we're old and used up um but the the man of God did not keep his commandment um, despite what the old prophet had done. um the man of God just Directly disobeyed God, um, and we said that he doesn't. The man of God doesn't speak now through the rest of the chapter. Uh, and one of the things that the man of God didn't say was he didn't say, "But it's not my fault." He 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 lied to me. It's not my fault. So our our next point is take responsibility for your actions too. The man of God didn't complain or blame someone else. He just finished his lunch, and, you know, continued on his way. When you disobey, it's, it's nobody else's fault. But the, we, we see the old prophet blames the man of God for his sin. Uh, in verse 26, it says, And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, um, so he, the, the man of God had left, slain by the lion, people are passing by and seeing it and coming back into the city and talking about it, and so the old prophet hears about it. Um, and when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Now he's pointing out how he was disobedient. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. So now he's claiming the word of the Lord twice now and pointing out uh, the man of God's failures and disobedience. Um, so another, you know, life hack, beware of those who lie to you and then blame you for your failure. Um, but regardless, it was, it was the man of God's disobedience um, that got him where he is. Um, and so continuing in verse 27, it says, and he spake to his sons saying, saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he said, not me, the donkey. And they took him off him and put it on the donkey. And, and he went and found his carcass cast in the way. And the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave and they mourned over him saying, alas, my brother. So I have so many questions about the lion and the donkey. Like, what are they talking about while they're just standing there, you know, next to this next to this dead body? Um, it says the lion was standing. Was he guarding the body? You know he wasn't. Dev- he wasn't eating it. Um, we have the lion of the tribe of Judah who rode into the city on a donkey. Um, we have Satan who acts like a lion, seeking who, 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 hay, who he may devour. Um, you screw up one time and he, he pounces on you. Um, but I didn't have time for all that, so that was a rabbit trail. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go down. But um, so you've got a lion and a donkey flanking this dead body just standing there. Um we also see here the um the old prophet, you know, who who went and got the body, brings him back saying alas my brother. You know, now is this a false prophet who's showing false fellowship, you know, trying to act like he was he was on the same side? Maybe maybe it actually was true repentance. You know, we're not <laughs> we're not quite sure. Um, maybe the old prophet truly was sorry for, you know, what he had done um, and was doing everything he he could to to make up for it. But um, continuing then in um, the end of the chapter here, starting in verse 31, uh, it says, And it came to pass, after he had buried him, that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places, which are in the cities of Samaria, shall surely come to pass. He knows it's going to, what, what the man of God said uh, is going to come to pass. And then verse 33, it says, after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin under the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. So now what? The man of God failed, right? (laughs) Um, He disobeyed God. Jeroboam still makes Israel to sin. He takes whoever wants to be a priest. You want to be a priest? Come on up. I'll consecrate you. We've got this golden calf here. You can do the priest's job. Um, So much so that it seems like in Scripture, Jeroboam's last name was changed to, which made Israel to sin, um, because it keeps reminding you about that. Um, but God's word is still true, right? Um, It's not what the man of God said. Uh, It's what the word of the Lord said. In verse two, it's the word of the Lord that says, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. That's what the word of the Lord said. So the moral of the story is God can still use us in our failure. You know, when we fail, um, God can still use it. It just goes a lot better for us when we just obey him. Um, Regardless, God's word is always going to be true. And so fast forward to 2 Kings chapter 22, and uh, in verse 1 it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Abiah of Boscheth. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand, nor to the left. So, entered Josiah, born to the house of David, just like God said. Um, and in Second Kings um, 22... And 23, um, you can read this on your own, but when when Josiah was about 25 years old, um, anybody here about 25 years old, Um, he he found a book. He found a book in the temple, and the word of the Lord changed him, Um, and Josiah made a promise when he was about 25 uh, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. Uh, is what he says. So he finds the word of God, it gets a hold of him, changes his life, and he makes a promise to do whatever it says. You can read that in Second Kings uh, 22 and 23. So um, when Josiah does that, we see the word of the Lord come to pass. Uh, in Second Kings chapter 23, uh, in verse 15, it says, Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nabot, last name who made Israel to sin, had made both the altar and the high place, he brake down Josiah, Josiah brake down and burned the high place and stamped it small to powder and burned the, gro- the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchres that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchres and burned them upon the altar and polluted it, according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, What title is that that I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the sepulcher of the man of God, which came from Judah and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, let him alone, let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. So we have a picture of the, the burial sites. Um, that's one of the sepulchers, <laughs> you know, on that hill uh, outside of Bethel. And there's a bunch of, you know, kind of... Uh, tombs and things like that uh, around the area. So this is probably one of the places where Josiah went down in, pulled out the bones of whoever was there and burnt them on the altar, um, just like the word of the Lord said. Um, And if you go to that next picture again with these high places, I mean, that kind of looks like it's been burnt and stamped small to powder, right? That whole hilltop, just burnt and, and crushed and, you know, Nothing left to it of what would have once been there. So, you know, again, God can speak through the church and our circumstances, but it's always going to agree with what his word says. It's always going to be, you know, uh, what the word of the Lord says is going to come to pass. It's always going to be true. So God gives us plenty of direct commands uh, for us to follow. Um, what, What direct commands are you ignoring? Am I ignoring? What direct commands do we ignore that God has given us? Uh, There's more than just 10 commandments, you know, in the Bible. We all know thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, we know those commandments, but there are plenty more uh, direct commands that God gives us. These are just a few of them. Bless them which persecute you. Study to show thyself approved. Flee fornication. Abstain from fleshly lusts, abstain from all appearance of evil, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, quench not the spirit, prove all things, prove your own selves. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, husbands, love your wives, children, obey your parents, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, servants, obey in all things your masters, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble minded, support the weak, be patient to all men. Be ready always to give an answer. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be not drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Be content with such things as ye have. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Be not weary in well-doing. Do all things to the glory of God. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put on the whole armor of God. Watch, submit yourselves unto the elder, humble yourselves, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You want me to keep going or did we all find something we can work on there? You know? So the, you know, it comes down to James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You deceive your own self when you, you know, just listen to it and then go on your way and and do what you want, uh, because we do have an enemy as a roaring lion who is ready to pounce uh, whenever we screw up. Um, but thankfully, God is is merciful and can use us in our failures um, despite our disobedience. So, um, again, let's not make those bad decisions. Stop, you know, check yourself before you. Um, make a bad decision and um you know do all we can to just be obedient to exactly what the word of the lord says so let me pray and we'll be we'll be done god we just thank you for um again your word um the the clear instruction that you do give us um the way that we can clearly see um, your instruction um your guidance um your will for our life, God, um, that we can follow if we will just be obedient. Um, And we know that you can and will use us. You want to use us, God, um, when we obey you and we obey your word. Um, But when we do screw up, you can still use us, God. And we just pray that um, whatever we do um, in our life, God, that it would bring you glory and um, that you would be uh, your Your word would go forth, that other people would see uh, the truth and the um, reality of your word in our life, God, um, and that they would come to know you because of it. It's in your name I pray. Amen.